crew. How are you? I am so stoked to bring this episode, this two-part episode of Jay Lee's Stories. Our guest is Justin Lee. Um, Justin can tell a story. If you follow him on Instagram at Big Island Boy, um, yeah, it's, it's some good stuff, dude. We talk about, he was actually in quarantine on his father's property when we, t- when we had this conversation, he had just gotten back from New Mexico. We just talk about his journey there. Um, less of, you know, less about the prize and more all the things that he learned in the process. Uh, then he goes over to Colorado. We talk about all the stuff that he was hunting there. He's picking up fly fishing. That was cool. I enjoyed that. Uh, my favorite part was him talking about hunting with his family in Hawaii and all the all the things that that was just so giving to him there. Um, and then we jump into the sea, which would be the next part. Uh, just hearing this crazy story of him uh, hooking a marlin. Um, the marlin ends up getting off and and his two-hour, maybe more heroic uh, effort to, to bring this fish into the boat um, is just crazy. Uh, we talk about him hunting wahoo on, on on some spots that he had saw and just randomly in an airplane with uh um with mark healy and crew so yeah man i really hope you guys enjoy this have a great day and um we'll see you soon talk to you soon cheers bye salty crew radio presents salty stories the ship's log stories about the hard workers the searchers the risk-taking mistake-making watermen who have nothing to prove. About the seafaring, the wax-sharing, the grommets, young and old. About the tried and true, those who've paid their dues. And about those who choose to find refuge in the sea. How's it, everybody? My name is uh, Justin Lee. Um, I live over on the Big Island on a little itty bitty town called Honoka'a uh, on the northeast side of the Big Island. Um, most people on the Big Island know where Kona and Hilo is. Um, I'm up in the middle um, north side, right next to a place called Waipio Valley. Um, but, you know, I'm just a, just a family man now more than anything. Um, I got a beautiful daughter and a, a huge son that is actually the same size as my daughter which is pretty cool. They're both 30 pounds and two years apart from each other. I got a beautiful wife um, named Sonali. And, you know, I just love living outside, uh, whether it's uh, chasing my meals in the ocean or chasing them on land um, and just thoroughly enjoying it all. And uh, it's pretty cool getting to be a third person, watching my daughter kind of step in uh, a lot of the same footsteps that I got to growing up, um, whether it's at the beach or trying to be quiet and sneak up to pigs and stuff like that. It's been, it's been pretty epic. Yeah. Um, and I, that has been giving me the chills. Um, of course I'm in a similar season as you, but, um, that's been giving me the chills, man, watching you, not only the kids being up for it, but going out, you know, on a hunt and like, Hey, let's just, let's take the kids, honey. You know, let's just see what happens. Let's see how this goes. Um, or, you know, I picture them like sitting on the beach and you, you're coming out of the water and you got food, man. And they're like, look at dad, like what a freaking caveman, you know, whoa, that's my dad, you know? Um, and you're, 
you're definitely opening up their world um, just by them watching what you do. Uh, of course, they look up to you, but it's been really fun to see. I don't know if there's, um, if we could go straight into that. Like what, uh, what were some of the things that you were experiencing from your side um, or you have experienced when you've taken them out for a hunt? Um, and it, it's might've only been a couple of times, but yeah, any stories that could coincide with That's that? like that. It, we've done it a couple of times as the whole family, like brought my son that can barely walk and give kudos to my wife for wearing a, a kangaroo pouch of my son on her chest as we're walking through the, the fields trying to be quiet. And um, my daughter lasts all of maybe 40 steps before she gets on my shoulders. And um, she's, she's got me so wrapped around her fingers. It's not even funny. Like <laughs> she'll full on just sit down. And be like, nope, I'm not moving until you pick me up, Dad. I'm like, but it's it's so much fun because um, you know there's a couple of places where you know I get permission to go and hunt out here. That's pretty cool in the fact that it's all these like um, fruit trees. And so the last time we hunted was during light cheese season, and uh, my daughter loves light cheese. And there is no way that you can eat them without getting sticky if you're three years old. And uh, so we were walking through the groves looking for pigs, trying to be quiet. And the only way I could make my daughter be quiet was give her handfuls of lychee on my shoulder. And the top of my head was so sticky at the end of it from my ears to everything. And oh my um, gosh. You know, it was, it was, you know, we, unfortunately we only saw two pigs running away because my daughter can't stop talking. Um, but she saw them and as soon as she saw them like her eyes just lit up like oh, big big you know and it was super super epic and um you know and then another time um we were walking and i actually shot a pig with her and uh my arrow was had some blood on it and stuff like that and she touched it and she got blood in her hands and she's all like blood dad blood i was all like yeah <laughs> you know and she's just you know in that that innocent part, stage of life where she's just a sponge to everything you know and she has no filter you know and so it's just all of her emotions are so raw and so so real that even seeing blood in her hands was just like oh, i'm part of the game i'm here you know and it's it's truly truly um you know, getting to see that that excitement in her eyes has just been insane. And then you got my son that is one years old and he couldn't care less of what the heck's going on. He's just like, I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm walking. But as soon as you stop talk, walking with him, he just starts moving and I mean, you got to keep him strapped. Like, mm. I remember when you were little and you'd go like to the mall and stuff like that with my parents and you'd see other kids like on leashes and stuff. And I remember thinking, geez. I would never do that. And, <laughs> man, I got a shot collar on my son, like no other, like it's crazy. But uh, yeah, and then, you know, on the ocean side of it, you know, I'm not a, a big surfer or anything like that, but I really enjoy getting pushed by waves. And uh, we got to catch one with my daughter um, and her joy of just sitting on the front of a, a soft top longboard and, and catching some small white water was, was unbelievable. And, uh, you know, now that... You know, she's, she kind of knows what fish is fish. And so when I come out of the water and the cooler is full, like she knows which fish she can touch like in the face and 
Um, like we've got a couple of fish out here that are, that have really big, we call them chocho lips, but mm. just really big fat lips. And, um, she loves just touching the lips and, and the whiskers and stuff like that. It's pretty. Are it's those the ones that are red where it looks like they got full lipstick on and everything? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's called the Kumu. Kumu. Yeah. Oh. I, I always study their lips too. When I look, um, when I look at your photos, but you know what, going back to the hunting thing, as you were talking, it is, and I'm trying to put myself in, in your daughter's shoes and it's, it's, she has got dad's undivided attention in this like theater that is just all her senses are heightened and, and, you know, activated. And then she's got your undivided attention. And then she touches his blood and it's like, she's been, you know, like you said, initiated into the tribe, you know? Mm. And, um, and you're just like, you look, you guys are just having fun um, and, and less about the, the actual prize of the hunt, but so much more about um, just being a part of her life. And, uh, and I just, man, I look, I don't know exactly all the dividends that pays, but man, I just, um, you know, very few dads get to experience that with their daughters. So I think, I mean, that's why I just get so amped to see because it's just like uh, I'm trying to transport myself into your world and uh, of that daddy daughter. And um, yeah, man, she definitely knows she's loved at that point for sure. You yeah. know, so that's that's so rad. And also, too, like, you know, the 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 thing with the kid is just like, you know, it's funny because I thought you were going to say, oh, yeah, and she just wants to touch the eyeballs and name the fish, you know. But then you're like, nah, she just wants to touch the lips <laughs> of this one because it looks like it looks like the fish has got lipstick on. Um, oh, that's epic. And then um, so, you know, real time sort of where you just tell us where you just came back from. Tell us, um, you know, the tribe that you're with, the group of guys that you were with, uh, what you guys were targeting, what ended up happening, um, even from the delayed trips to a picture of you in the back of the truck to yeah um let us know i just got back from an epic trip with uh, some really close friends my buddy trevor um invited me up to go do a, an elk hunt um in actually in colorado and new mexico and we hunted elk in colorado and new mexico and i also had a mule deer and an antelope tag in in new mexico as well and uh, we started off in New Mexico and we got there and, you know, he's- Wait, so you start, so, wait, so you start off, but you, are you, did you fly into Denver or did you fly, I don't know, where are you flying? Oh. New Mexico? <laughs> I flew into Denver and I don't know if you guys follow the weather of the Midwest. Yeah. Um, they had a like, crazy storm. It was a hot one day like, and snow on the next or something. That's what I heard. Oh my God, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was, uh, when I was flying in, I got in on a Tuesday and that morning it was, 89 degrees um and when i landed it was clear skies in denver um there was a lot of smoke because all of the fires that they've been having um but it was relatively clear skies in denver and like 80 degrees and went got my rent a car i actually kind of farmed it and rented a car from costco and uh, the rent a car place was in the middle of denver so i show oh, up to enterprise and i'm yes. like 
hey, uh, here, pick up my car. And they're like, we don't have a reservation for you. I'm like, no, you guys do. Check it out. And they're like, no, you see that? That's not the airport. So I'm, that's oh, 45 minutes no. in. So I had to catch an Uber. It is go, a little ways when away. I <laughs> when I come out, uh, waiting for my Uber, of course, it starts snowing. I'm like, what the hell? It was freaking 80 degrees like an hour ago. It starts snowing. I get in there. And by the time I get to the rent-a-car place, there's like an inch of snow on the ground. And I'm like, this island boy is going to have to drive in snow now <laughs> for five and a half hours south to New Mexico. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so I get to finally get to my rent-a-car place and get out of the rent-a-car place. And the rent-a-car guy is all like, you want to get insurance? I was all like, do I need it? He's all like, you used to driving in snow? I was all like, no, not really. He said, I would get it. I was all like, okay. Uh, I was like, oh, I think I should be okay. He's all like, you ever drove in hail before? I was like, no, it's supposed to hail today. I'm like, okay. He's all like, it's not so much your driving ability in hail. It's what the hail will do to the car. Yeah. And yeah. if you get hail damage, you'll have to pay for it. I'm like, fudge. Okay. I scooped me in. And luckily enough, I got it because it started hailing like, I mean, I don't know, pea-sized hail. I don't know, big enough to make it really uncomfortable to walk into the store from your car to the, and um, I don't think you know. Hurt. So it was it was an experience as soon as I got off the plane, and then I finally get to um, where we're hunting, and it's this uh, little cabin in the middle of Timbuk nowhere. I mean, the county roads going to this place is dirt roads. You know, like I've never been on dirt road county roads. And there's no GPS or anything like that. And so I had to put in the, um, the address before I lost service. And so I'm driving and it's completely dark now. It's like 930 at night. It's snowing. I'm like, what the heck did I get? I want to spend the night in the car tonight. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I thought I was going to do. I was like, oh my God. And so of course my wife calls me and like, it's like spotty service. And so I get her service and I pick it up and I talk to her and I was like, I don't know how much longer I'm going to last because I don't have any service. So I got to call you back after. She's like, okay. So I hang up on her and somehow lose service and I don't have my GPS. And I'm like, now I'm really going to just sleep in my car tonight. And uh, so I freaking backtrack like half an hour back to where I had service. Look at it, look it back in. And um, yeah, it was, I mean, we drove the road back out during the daytime that I drove down there and unbeknownst to me, there was a full on cliff for a good, like 500 yards that if I would have drifted off to the left, there would be no more daily stories. No way. <laughs> it, it, would, it probably was so pitch black too, because of those roads. Um, that there's no way you would have yeah. been even, and then you're like more worried about the snow than, you know, um, yeah, you would, wouldn't even everything from the storm blocking out any moonlight to anything. But were the boys waiting there, for you? Were they? Were you like? Were you getting there early, or they had already been there? Yeah, I was supposed to be there at dinner time at eight o'clock. I didn't show up until ten thirty. They all went to sleep. I pull up. Lucky thing, they left the porch light on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I pull up and I open up the door, and I'm like, "I'm here." <laughs> One of the guys comes out. There's a like. There's leftover pizza in the, the refrigerator. We'll see you in the morning. Wake up calls at four. I was like, get on it. Oh, so God. I get in, you know, and um, 
But, you know, and then the next morning was freezing cold, you know, usually hunting like 85 degree weather down in northern New Mexico, but it was like 35 degrees. Um, was but, that a good thing though? I mean, not for you guys, cause it was, you know, maybe more than you had, had packed for, but, um, that would probably been a good thing. Everyone, all the animals would have been really waking up. Yeah. Yeah. Or and not. so that's the biggest thing is that, that for the elk and, um, the deer and stuff, they're really waiting for that first cold snap to kind of get them into gear to get their rut going on. And that's kind of what you want to hunt is because they get really, really vocal and uh, you can kind of call them in and you can kind of pattern them a little bit easier. Um, as they're moving around and sure enough you know the first morning we woke up we ran into probably the biggest bull elk that I've ever seen in my entire life I mean this thing was a behemoth just we called him boss man because he was huge and he controlled like he had a harem of ladies I mean he had like 80 cow elk and no other bull was coming close to him and it was freaking crazy and um but he lived on the neighbor's property, so we couldn't hunt him until he got onto our property that we had permission to hunt on. So we would set up like on the fence line waiting for him to come over. And of course he would, I mean, in, with archery, you know, it has to be, it's such a close game that you have to gamble on getting to where you want to be and have them get within 50 yards of, of you, which, you know, a lot of times things is not that hard, but I mean, these are huge animals that, I mean, if they cross at 80 yards away, there's really nothing you can do because you can't move on them. They're going to spot you moving on them. And mm. so, you know, we would set up and he would jump, you know, 200 yards away from us over the fence. And we just have to watch him and just be like, yeah, that's, that's a big elk. <laughs> and then back away and, and try and find another game plan. And so um, that was the first, so we, that was the first day. First day. I mean, it was insane. And we were freezing. I had all of my clothes on, all of my hunting clothes. <laughs> I had, actually had this flannel on underneath my hunting clothes and still, you know, tried to have every pair of freaking socks I had, or so the gloves I had on. I was just like, how do I even pull back my bowl right now? You know, and, um, but it was, it was epic. And then it slowly got warmer over the next couple of days. And, um, you know, then we really got to, there were some parts of the property we couldn't go to because of the, the dirt roads were just too washed out and too muddy. Mm. And so we started walking all around and stuff like that and started seeing stuff that, I mean, it's just, you know, living or not living up being, you know, living in Hawaii, you get so accustomed to the, the beauties of what Hawaii has, you know, the, the lush forests or the big green trees, um, you know, the waterfalls and rivers and oceans and our sunsets are amazing. And then you're in the middle of this place in northern New Mexico um, and the, the scenery is completely different, but just as beautiful. You know, it's so crazy. You got all these cactuses out there, these yucca trees, these small spruce trees. Um, we're hunting in this, uh, in northern New Mexico where you got this like big canyon sort of thing but it's got lava rocks in the middle of it, which is crazy. And dinosaur bones. Um, the guy we were hunting with, he found three pieces of a dinosaur jaw, which what? is crazy. But like, yeah. So are these, are these like, uh, are this, it's not mountains and valleys. It's more like plains. Oh, this is plains. Yeah, plains. Um, you're at like 4,000 feet elevation, 
plains with a, a gully in the middle of it. Mm. And um, I know we saw everything from pronghorn, mule deer, whitetail, elk, Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep, um, you know, and then you start walking around and there were scorpions, freaking rattlesnakes. There was this one hay bale that I was sitting next to as this pronghorn started walking up to me and I was getting all comfortable and I looked down by my knee and I'm like, man, that's a, that's a hole. And this, this island boy don't like snakes. <laughs> I, like, I hear that. There's a hole right there. And I looked into the hole and there's a, a snake skin just chilling there. And I was all like, holy crap. And I picked it up and it's a good like four feet long snake skin. And I'm like, I could like, just shed its that, skin. I could just shed yeah, it. Yeah. That, of course, scared the crap out of me. <laughs> and I wasn't sitting still <laughs> next to that hay bale anymore. And the pronghorn ran away. But, <laughs> you know, like, um, there's a, um, a place up there called, I think it's called Wedding Cake. And um, it's down the road from where we were hunting. And if you Google Wedding Cake, it's pretty cool because it's got all these different, like, um, because it's just like this mound in the middle of the pasture, basically. And it's got, they say like the dark red is from like 10 million years ago. And so it's just all layered in different colors and it looks like a wedding cake. I mean, and so you see that stuff, you know, and you see like that's from 10 million years ago or whatever it is, or yeah. you find dinosaurs, you know, and you grow up in Hawaii where old is like 150 years old. You know, if you find like an old <laughs> Hawaiian or something like that, you know, an old heao um, out here, you're looking at 200 years. Yeah. You know, and you're like, geez, that was crazy. The Hawaiians did exactly this. And then you're out there and you're like, the mother truck and dinosaurs were walking out here. They yeah. fed out here, you know, and you're like, that's just insane to, for an island boy to even think about, you know, that you're walking in the footsteps of the dinosaurs. And it's so hard for our brains to go that far back or start to have any, you know, uh, starting point or any sort of like measuring stick. You're like, okay, like we can go like a hundred or 150 or like, okay, America's this old, you know, a couple hundred years. And, but once you start going that and then, yeah, man, I've been listening to this, like, hardcore history and they're going back like you know bc and all this stuff and i was just like i'm trying to get my brain to go there but it's hard it's hard it's hard <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy to you know to fathom what what the place might have looked like back yeah then, or the, like. yeah and then the animals that were roaming around and then you know what sort of people were there at that point if there was you know um but then so you guys hunting um new mexico for uh, a couple of days, I guess, before you go into Colorado. Yeah, for about a week, and then oh, okay. Um, the last morning before we went from New Mexico up to Colorado, which is like a four-hour drive um, to the new place we were going to go hunting. I woke up early, just like I did every other morning, and the other guys in camp, my buddy uh, Trevor and my buddy um, Austin, which is uh, a photographer that was with us. Um, they decided to sleep in because they were tired. <laughs> I was not like. Man, I ain't sleeping. You know, yeah, it's like, I'll sleep when I it's get like home. waking up at cloud break. Exactly. It's like waking up at cloud break and seeing it just, you know, potential just being epic. Yeah. You know, and everybody's like, ah, I got to sleep in tonight. I feel like, uh, okay. And so lucky <laughs> enough for me, you know, I went out there and um and scored. I got a a beautiful mule deer buck that 
I'm freaking so. So you were out there solo this. when you, and is that the one with all the velvety just? You could just yeah, like, a little fussy horns going on and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, dude, what does that feel like? Does it feel like velvet when you when you touch it or what? It does, and it's he was um ready to to rub it off, so it had a little bit. It was a little more coarse than than your your uh, prince velvet, your you okay? velvet. <laughs> I've never but, touched one, oh. so but I was looking at that photo <laughs> and I was just like, oh, my, there's the velvet they talk about. Yeah, it was, it's usually, I mean, I've shot them before when it's um, a little younger than it was uh, the time the buck that I just shot. And yeah, it is like crushed velvet soft. It's no pretty cool. Way. Like you can't hold it too long as you're going to actually break it. And um, yeah, so the coolest thing is, I mean, woke up early in the morning and we're driving down the road and um, actually from the road, we saw a couple of deer. And so we drove back um, probably half a mile to three quarters of a mile away to set up an area where we could glass them and kind of see what was going on and where they were headed. And we were looking at them and the ones that we saw, we we're like, there's a couple of nice ones. And I'm like, I oh, would try to make a game plan on them. And all of a sudden, all of them kind of stood up and was just like looking downhill. And, was like, and that usually tells you like something's coming out, whether it's a coyote or something that is, uh, that's got their attention. Mm -hmm. And so you quickly, quickly glance in their area because if it's a coyote they're going to start to move away and so you've got to make your game plan move a lot faster and uh, they looked down and all of a sudden out of the river bottom was this giant mule deer started walking out and I was like game time that's, fine. <laughs> that's, that's the guy. exactly and so um what is that um watched him for a little bit saw that he was heading up towards the other deer um and so quickly there's this little low drainage kind of spot next to right where I was. And uh, it actually worked out perfect because it allowed me to, to have a little bit of cover. I had to, you know, walk basically duck walk. I don't know if you remember duck walk from like baseball mm -hmm. teams. Yeah. Full on had your hands walking yep. like this as well as I can. And um, just tried to get up there as fast as I could. And um, yeah, full on got there, got close looked over it and I could see the other deer that we had seen prior and I was looking for the bigger buck and all of a sudden I looked down and he was right there walking towards me and I was like oh my god oh my god and then you know you can see him from far away and you can get excited but when you see him close and it's just like I mean it's crazy all of a sudden your heart starts beating like it's that fight or flight mode. I don't know what it is, but what what sort of breathing so do you start doing at that point? Are you just like it's just and then you're like, you know, and it's like when I get spear fishing, you know, before I get to down, yeah. you know, it's a big fish on the surface or stuff, like you totally get to try and get into another place and just close your eyes and just relax. Because archery is all about how steady you can be when you hold your bow back, you know, because mm -hmm. when you draw your bow back. I mean, just the littlest movement with your arm is huge because all of a sudden the angle of your arrow, right? So if it's close like this and it's little movements, the further your shot is. Oh, yeah. If you're by a millimeter where you are at or a degree of an angle where you are at, where the animal's at, you know, which can be 50 or 60 yards down the line, you know, can a couple be feet. One or, you know, yeah. and shoot over their back. Yeah. And so... So I see this guy coming, I'm like, oh my God. So I knock <laughs> my arrow 
and I get kind of in position and I'm kind of looking at him and I range him and he's at 80 yards and 80 yards is pretty far of a shot. I'm like, no, I'm not, not taking 80 yards on a, on a deer like that. And I'm like, okay, if he gets to like 60 or 70 yards, he's done. So he's just got to come 10 more steps. And so I start ranging like all the bushes that he could walk past. And I'm like, when he gets to that bush, he's going to be at 62 yards. He's going to be done. I was like, I feel it. It's mine. And so he starts walking and I'm like, now it's my breathing setup. I'm, I'm sure you big wave surfers or just any surfers got the same sort of thing. As soon as the, the swell comes, hits the horizon, your first thing is like, oh God, here it is. And then you got to get into a different mindset and be like, okay, you're going to need air. So let's calm down. Let's get into a position. And it's kind of the same thing for, for me. It was like. Yeah, I got the chills right now because that is the moment. Like you are so in that moment right now, you know? Yeah. And, and my yeah, palms are sweating. Just keep going. Keep going. <laughs> keep going. And so I'm sitting there like, and he's coming. And all of a sudden, he, I draw back when, before he gets to the bush that uh, I'm at because he's feeding as he's walking. And he walks right past it. I'm like, oh. And I'm sitting like this, so I let down my draw because he hasn't, and I don't want to shoot him while he's walking because that's just not ethical. And so he's, he stops walking and then he feeds behind a bush and then I can't shoot him anymore because unless I pop up, and if I pop up, he's going to see me, mm. guaranteed. So I can't have any movement and I'm pretty hitting pretty well. And so I got a couple of small areas where I can shoot from. And I'm sitting and I'm like, man, okay, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And he starts walking again and I draw back and I'm like, okay. As soon as he stops, I says, you know, I'm just guessing um, how far he'll be. And so I draw back and he comes out of the bush at like 45 yards. And I'm like, okay, he's at 40, 45, or 40, 35. I'm like, shucks, he's at like 32 yards. He's getting close. And now he's, you know, 30 yards is basically you can take a rock and hit him. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I'm sitting there like this. And then all of a sudden he stops, feeds, and puts his head up. And as soon as he puts his head up, I'm like, game time. And so then it just focuses in on, you know, I was always told by my dad, pick a hair that you want to shoot. Mm. You know, don't pick the body, pick a hair that you want to shoot. And I remember just zooming in, trying to zoom in as much as the hair on his chest. And I just, and my arrow flew true. And uh, he ran up over this hill and kind of disappeared. And I was like, you know, there's always, you know, at Archer, there's always, you know, that after you shoot him, you have all the confidence in the world that you made a perfect hit. Mm. But until you see the animal laying down, you're just like, there's no way. I, I, did I get him? I? Then you start, your doubt starts going through your head. Well, and that, so I started running. And that's a good question, if, if you don't mind. Um, so let's say you shot 100 arrows or 50 arrows, right? And let's say 40 of those were really good shots. Does the animal do something different every time? Or is it, you know, is there ever that, dude, I just stoned him and he just fell right over? Like, what, what is, what's been your experience? With archery, um, you really don't have that boom, like with a rifle. You know how one time you'll see rifle hunters and they'll shoot the animal and they drop instantly. Mm -hmm. With archery, you really don't have that unless you hit the spine. And if you hit the spine, that's not really where you're aiming. So you're just like, oh, I got lucky on that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so very, very, very rarely do you shoot them and they fall down. 
Um, and what you normally want to see is you shoot them and they, they fall within sight, you know? And um, so when I saw him, I felt like, you know, everything felt right with the shot. The arrow disappeared right where I was aiming. Um, and so I felt really confident about the shot. And cause I mean, as an archer, that's an archer and a hunter in general, you know, that's your biggest goal is to humanely harvest your animal. You know, you don't want them suffering or anything like that. And so when I ran up, the rest of the herd went running over the hill with him and I ran up and I only saw three deer and the big boy wasn't with him. And I was like, Oh, it happened. It happened. And I walked up and he was, he was done. Down. You know, he, yeah, he was, he was finished. And, uh, wait, let's, so let me you ask know. you this real quick. So are you as an, as an archerer, I guess, archery, archer, um, when you let that thing fly, do you, are you preparing to go into run mode? Like, is that what you're preparing? That's the worst thing you can do. Okay. Actually, you don't okay, want, okay, tell me. So what you want to, with archery, because you don't want their adrenaline to start picking up because once their adrenaline starts picking up and they get scared, they're going to run further than they normally oh, would. Oh, I see. Um, and so that makes when you sense. shoot because archery equipment is so quiet, you know, a lot of times, um you'll shoot at an animal and miss them and they won't even know what's going on mm. because your bow is so quiet um <coughs> that's a great point so so when you shoot like i've taken friends of mine's hunting for the first time this will be and, me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know and they'll shoot the animal and they want to run straight up after them and like full-on ramble put the knife in their mouth and, <laughs> and chase them down and uh, I've had to grab friends' T-shirts and be like, where are you going? I'm going to go get them. I was like, you're going to sit down. <laughs> Don't freak them out. That's the last thing you want to do right now is freak him out because he's going to run way further, way faster. Mm. You know? Um, yeah, they got a you know, crazy like, fight or flight, dude, for sure. Man, their will to live is, is crazy. Um, mm. You know, like, if someone shot me in my pinky toe, I would lie down and not want to move. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, um, so sorry. You know, so, so you come, that, so you come up over the hill and you, and you have a good yeah, feeling that, because you don't see him and you're going, I, I think he's down on the ground. Yeah. And so I wanted to kind of check out where he was and, um, you know, there was only two bushes basically that was there and I start walking and I look and I can see his fuzzy antler sticking up out of the grass. And I was all like, and then all reserves are gone. And it's party time. <laughs> you know, yeah. Then, then you can start screaming. Comes out and the yelling comes out and you're just like, ah! you know, and full on just a uh, 14 year old crack boy voice starts coming out. And <laughs> Dude, I'm just, actually looking wow. at the photos right now. I'm looking at the, the, the couple photos right now. Um, just getting a full... Um, there's grass, oh, it was, it's, you know, it's not tall grass, but it's, you know, there is, there is some, a little bit of brush there, you know, I can see a mountain or a hill off in the background. It's kind of in an open is. area. Is that the one? Yep. There it is. Oh, that is so and that's, cool. That's where he fell, you know? and well, so congratulations on that, dude. And then, that. so you guys sit there, you know, pay your specs, have a, you know, uh, it just sort of and I love doing that with fishing as well when when that moment happens yeah. like one of the best things to do is just to sit in that 
like sit in that feeling for as long as, as long as it's going to last, you know, Uh Um, and really enjoy it in a very, uh, you know, respectful, um, humble, very thankful, you know, gratitude type of way. You know, that's, that's the biggest takeaway too, you know, um, you know, we're not, as hunters, you're not out there just shooting at everything and trying to kill everything, you know, everything's with a purpose. And, you know, and the, at the end of the day, I mean, since I've been home, I've eaten three meals now of my, of that deer. We had chopstick and onion last night with it. Um, the other day, cause I'm in quarantine right now. So I'm like in the middle of nowhere. Um, my family, we do a reforestation project on the South side of the big Island. Yep. And so lucky enough, we cabin up here and so I've been staying up here and uh yeah I made top steak and onion with it uh just grilled it just threw it on the trigger the other day with just salt and pepper and so are you solo up there or um I was solo for the first five days I took a test a couple days ago um and got my negative result and um so now that the workers are up here okay um so you know we we do the social distancing and then so when they're working with me you know, we're not, we're not within eye shot of, I mean, arm's length away from each other. Yeah. You know, so. Are you allowed to go see your family then or what? Cause that's must be hard. Um, not yet. They're, they're going to come <laughs> up, uh, uh, on Friday. So it'll be about 10 days. Um, cause you know, that's, that's the worst thing. Like my mother-in-law, um, yeah. lives with us and she's got that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so she's 60, 59. You know, and my mom, because um, my wife and I were building a new house, and so we're staying in the extension of my parents' house. And oh, so okay. my um, yeah, that puts my mom it in works, perspective right there for sure. My mom works at an extended care facility. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, I mean, I you just can't take any to, chances. You you, you can't. Um, it, it just doesn't put it out of your mind. It's just that's that's how it is for sure. But it sucks. It's super super sucks and you know, FaceTiming with uh, my wife and the kids, um, you know, are, are, uh, it's, it's getting old, you know? Yeah, it, it, it know? is. I haven't seen my parents and, and, uh, my, Courtney's dad, uh, runs a lot of nursing homes. So, um, uh, I do understand that it, it, it's, it's, it's hard as it is. Um, it's, it's just, it's, you know, it's all, it's always, it's not about us, you know? ever yeah. but um but wow man i'm that that is tough justin that is tough <laughs> yeah, so but you know it's just part of the beast i guess you know the, the life that we're living in now yeah for sure and it's, it's short term it's not gonna you know it's not gonna be it's not gonna be like this forever yeah. so um so, yeah this like i said this friday will be 10 days and okay. everything that i've read cdc and all of that yeah stuff, yeah yeah, like, yeah. You know, and the nice thing is that there's a, a testing facility down the road from where I'm staying. And yeah. so um, I can go take another test and uh, get the results back. And then I'll have two negative tests Yeah, and feel fairly confident on uh, going back and seeing my family. Yeah. I think you can feel really confident at that point for sure. And then, so getting back to the story. So then you go over to Colorado and then what also got me super pumped um, Tell us about the, it looked like a brown trout or a brook trout um, that you caught. A rainbow trout. A rainbow trout. 
Yeah, so the real dark room. Which, so I am not. Bro, like I cannot. Fishing. We've, and I've, <laughs> I can't tell a trout apart. I don't know if it's brown, brook, rainbow. <laughs> Bro, I can, and I've seen them, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's, de-. I was like confident calling that fish you caught like a brook or a brown. Totally wrong. <laughs> So I guess that the rainbow trout, the one that I caught that you're probably referring to, that darker one, mm-hmm. was a male rainbow trout. And so it's got a big old jaw on it and stuff like that. And so when they, I don't know if it's when they're ready to spawn or what it is, but they get a bigger jaw on them and they got like a, just a total different look mm. than the regular rainbow trout that you see that are like okay. silver with a pink yeah. sash through the middle of it. They got this yeah, hue, like rainbow, iridescent. You're like, whoa, that's the prettiest fish. They're so soft exactly. and like, it's like just sushi. You don't even need to fillet it. You just take a bite out of it. Like a. Just full on bear style. Just, yeah. Like a chicken leg. <laughs> exactly. So then we went up to Colorado after that. Um, and uh, we were <clears throat> chasing elk. And so the place we were hunting elk is, we walk in early in the morning we kind of set up and we'll hunt until about noon um, and then head back to the cabin because in the middle of the day the elk aren't doing anything and most times what you normally do is you just take a nap and usually you take a nap in the forest and um, but the place we were hunting is is pretty posh it's pretty dope little area and uh, so we head back to the cabin in the middle of the day for a couple hours and uh, they had a stream and a pond in the front with some fly rods and uh, I remember asking can I go fishing in no nap time for Jay Lee. No nap time. I'll do that when I'm in quarantine. <laughs> I had a lot of nap times in the forest. Like <laughs> we'd be sitting still, waiting for the elk to move. And I, I mean, as soon as I go horizontal, done. You know, Gone. if we're sitting still next to a tree for longer than five minutes, I'm out cold. Or we're driving in the truck. Like I am the worst. Or maybe the best napper. I don't know. Depends on nice. how you want to look It's at an it, art but. farm for sure. And other people get je- real jealous of that because it's, it's a gift that you have. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, the guys at the, I used to work at the fire station out here um, before I started working full time with my dad. And uh, we'd go back from calls and, you know, go take a shower, jump in the bed and be out cold in 30 seconds. And I remember the other guys in the fire station was like, you suck, Justin. Look at this guy. How rude is that? <laughs> we were sitting on the bed, and he's all like, you know, full mid-conversation about the call or whatever, and I'd be like, God, Justin, this mother truck is sleeping. <laughs> he <friend>. out. <laughs> he gone. What a donkey. He can be um, fresh yeah, in the so, morning. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, so we came back, and... Um, you know, grab the fly rod and I don't know how to fly, you know, I can full on try and act like I know how to fly rod. Yeah. I guess I was bringing my, one of the, the photographer guy that was with us is an amazing fly fisherman. Okay. And so I went down there and I was trying and he's all like, well, you got to stop here and here, here, here. You're like full on, like, like full on uh, Hollywood style fly fishing. <laughs> but I got to the point where I could cast like, 15, 15 or 20 feet in front of us. And that was, I was stoked on that. And it was like a little stream coming into this pond. And so I would just throw it in the stream, just free spool it. And, yeah, let it fly go, yeah. out. and um, you know, and lucky enough, caught a couple of rainbows and just, I mean, it was crazy. Like oh, on a fly rod, it, it's such a different animal. It's so much fun. It yeah. Crazy. Well, I mean like 
yeah, totally. Like shooting with a, a you know, a rifle or a gun and as opposed to, a, yeah. you know, a bow. Imagine there's some similarities there. Um, okay. So we got to, we got to talk about, well, two things we got to talk about. We talk, we got to talk about you fishing and um, we got to talk about you doing the um, hunting with Healy. I, I think that was like some black marlin or what were you guys? That wraps up part one of a two-part episode with Justin Lee. In the second half, Justin tells us some absolutely wild stories about spearfishing for blue marlin and Odo in Hawaii. You'll not want to miss it. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for part two.